0: Welcome to the Grow Your Practice Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Welcome to the Grow Your Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Madden. This week, I wanted to share with you a recording from a recent webinar that I hosted. To get access to the slides and videos of this recording, you can visit getbreakthroughcom forward slash resources. Remember, this was a training hosted with a live audience, so there are real-time questions and answers that I think you will find valuable. Without further ado, let's get started. I hope you enjoy this episode. Great, so how many of you um, are planning on selling your practice, and this is tongue in cheek, but uh, within the next 50 years? So I know it says five to 10 here, I think we have 20, uh, 20 years later on, but uh, if, if you're thinking that one day you might want to exit your practice, <clears throat> for most of us, we're going to be uh, no longer able to treat within the next 50 years. Um, we're we're going to have to transition out at some point, and we can do an internal sale or an external sale. But if you think you're going to transition out of your practice within the next 50 years, just type yes in the chat box right now. <clears throat>
1: Great.
0: So here's what we're going to cover um, on the session today. We're going to talk about practice value and have a very uh, simplified but clear discussion that'll guide you um, going forward. We're going to talk about, uh, and I'm going to share personally what I've done. So uh, internally, I've been selling for the last 10 years. Um, so I have seven internal partners. And then uh, more recently, I went through a um, uh, an external sale, and we now have a partnership. I'm still, as of this recording, six and a half percent owner of my private practice. Um, but I, I'm going to share with you exactly how I went through the the preparation to do that. Um, I'm going to share the planning tool uh, that I used with you. I promise you've never seen this before. Um, I don't see it in PT, podiatry, Cairo, uh, any health services but I'm gonna share a unique story and then a tool um, used uh, just to go through the mental pr- uh, preparation for planning and I'll share some other resources with you. And then um, the other key thing, uh, and you'll wanna pay attention to this, is we're gonna talk about something called differentiators. So this is number four on your screen right now, if you're uh, following along. And it's uh, th- there are things that differentiate your practice From other practices that are in your area and that's really key so you know if you have a dream of you know uh, reaching a certain practice value whether it's a uh, a million dollars or 10 million dollars or 100 million dollars there's going to have to be some uh, key things key systems that you have within your practice that are different than other practices so we're going to talk about that and then we'll open it up for q a so there are three common barriers and just as an aside, I, um, I'm i in a unique position here at Breakthrough where we get to talk with hundreds of practice owners. Some of them have exited successfully years ago. Um, others are thinking about it, right? And um, others, they're just, it's more than 20 years away. So they're not really worried about it today, but we get to have a lot of uh, crucial discussions for lack of a better term. And there, when we're having those discussions, there are three common barriers to growing practice value. Number one is unrealistic owner expectations. And I've had this conversation many times with owners that have been in practice for 10, 20, 30 years, and then they decide they don't wanna be in patient care anymore, or um, they decide they wanna move on to something else, and they have an unrealistic expectation of what the value of their practice um, could be. And, and there's a certain way to think through that, and you can't wait until the finish line and say, "Okay, today's the day I want to sell my practice. I've done no preparation at all over the last one year, five years, ten years, whatever it may be, and now I'm ready. I'm ready to go." And there's a really good book you're going to want to write this down. It's called "Built to Sell" by John Warlow, and he he specifically talks about uh, this concept. And I, I think in this story. In the book, it's a hypothetical story of a, an architectural firm, but uh, you you'll want to check that out because it applies to us as service providers as well. Number two, there on your screen is ignoring the buyer or the market's perspective. Very closely related to number one, um, but you, you know, if you think about if you were out and you were in the position of buying other practices, what would you be looking for? You know, if, if you're talking to an owner that's a single site practice, they're doing 100 visits a week, maybe it's themselves and an, an assistant seeing 100 visits a week, and that owner just wants to completely retire, once the check is written and go retire, you know, go sit under the mango tree. Well, are, what are you going to pay for that business? You can't possibly afford to pay three times earnings, right? That just That doesn't make sense because you're going to have to go out, you're going to have to hire another a clinician put that clinician in there's going to be transition and everything else and if that owner is just completely checked out that business isn't worth um, a a whole lot so when we get to that here in a second we're going to talk about specifically what the buyer in the market uh, the market's perspective is so you can better position your practice um, over the next period of time before it, it comes time to sell and then the third thing that commonly gets in the way is the underestimating the value of systems if you are your system if you are your practice right then it it becomes very difficult to sell if you're essentially trading time for money right now if you're trading 40 hours a week 50 hours a week 60 hours a week if all of the knowledge in terms of hiring and uh, personnel hr legal compliance billing decisions if everything is in your head right and it's not in a system that's easily reproducible by somebody else What are you really selling right if you don't have a team in place if you don't have systems in place your practice isn't worth a whole lot the good news is is that it's very learnable and if you went through school if you earned a degree if you got a license and ultimately opened your own practice pretty good chance you're going to have the mental fortitude to be able to develop the business acumen and and build a practice that's worth something So there's three determinants of practice value. Number one is the size of the practice. So I'm just going to give you some really quick numbers that are specific to PT today. So if your annual earnings, right? uh, So let's say you're doing 100 visits a week. um, So And I'm just going to use simple math, and I'm sure some of you are going to be above or below this, but let's say you're earning, uh, you're getting $100 a visit. So that's $10,000 a week, roughly $500,000 a year in revenue. And let's say your expenses are $300,000. So your earnings are roughly $200,000 a year. The very aggressive multiple would be somewhere between a a three or four for that size practice. And I might be a little high, but let's let's call it a three. So your earnings are 200,000. The multiples of three, the practice is worth $600,000 roughly, right? Now, let's say you're 10 times that size. So you're doing not a hundred visits a week, you're doing a thousand visits a week, right? So a thousand visits a week, your weekly income is a hundred thousand dollars. Your annual income for your practice revenue is $5 million. And let's say um, your expenses are 4 million, right? So you have a 20% margin, very nice. And so, million dollars a year in earnings, the multiple there um, is going to be an eight, uh, potentially a nine, or maybe even a ten in fair market. So let's go, you know, with an eight. So now you have a million in earnings, and the practice is worth with an eight that would be eight million dollars, right? So, a um, hundred visits a week, we have six hundred thousand um, dollars a thousand visits a week right where you have a team and systems in place in order to do that now the practice is worth eight million dollars and you're probably saying well wait i thought you know if a practice was 10 times the same size it should be 10 times the value that's not true the the multiple actually increases as the practice size goes up so that's something that's often overlooked and uh frequently when i'm having one-on-one conversations with owners they'll and if they have a practice that's doing the 100, 200, 300 visits a week, they may assume that because they heard somebody else get a 10 multiple, that they can get a 10 as well. And that's just, that's not how the marketplace works. So, size of practice determines value. Um, the larger the practice, the larger the multiple. Consistency of visits, right? And uh, there's a couple of things that we can talk about here, but underutilization of personnel, write this down. Underutilization of personnel, so people treating clinicians, and underutilization of space are, are killers. So, if you see 400 visits one week at one point in the year, and then you have a slow season and you're down to 200 visits a week without knowing too much else, I can tell you that you're that loss, not being able to maintain a consistency of visits throughout the year, even if you're in a snowbird state like Florida or Arizona. Um, not being able to maintain consistency of visits um, it is devaluing your business significantly. Um, and then number three is opportunities to expand. So can you, and I'll show you here in a second, but can you go into a new market and open a new clinic or um, potentially acquire other clinics? You know, What's the capacity for you to expand the footprint in your area? Because that's gonna be attractive um, to a potential partner in the future. So, who is this brought? Uh, as you know, this is brought to you by Breakthrough, this webinar, this online training. Who are we? We're growing. Uh, essentially, our purpose, our mission is to uh, help people overcome their health challenges naturally. What's the best way for us to do that? The best way is for us to be working with private practice owners, just like you, helping you grow your practice, leave a bigger impact, um, becoming more valuable in the marketplace, however you want to measure that. Um, so I want to show you a quick timeline here and uh, just to let you know, like this is grounded in reality. I'm not giving you ivory tower theory. This is this is real um, in the trenches. So opened up September 2nd, 2003. Original business plan was for 48 visits per week. Uh, within six months, we had doubled that. We were up to 108 visits per week. I know it says 96 on here because it's Nice and rounded and doubled, but I remember uh, we had one hundred and eight, one hundred and ten visits in a week within the first six months, and it was me plus another uh, PTA. Um, after that, two thousand four to two thousand six, minimal growth. No idea how to build systems. I knew how to be self employed, and that was about it. Just trade time for money um, on my own, on my own accord. In November of two thousand eight. Um, So after 2006 really started to study um, business systems understood how to start hiring and uh, building marketing systems as well. And November 2008 we had an all time high of 154 physician referrals in a month. And at that time in Pennsylvania, uh, and we just had had direct access come in a a few years before that so it was very new. Um, Physician referrals were the game right. And what we started to note, and we got really good at that game. We were super wide, ton of physician referrals. Um, And by the way, that's for a single site clinic. So more than 150, I think our highest ever was 209 um, new patients in a month coming through. But what you need to understand is the bulk of that was physician referrals. In 2009, late 2008, 2009, the referral sources in our area really started to dry up. One of three hospital systems, Well, all three hospital systems started uh, buying physician practices uh, family physician practices and today they employ over 90% of all the physician referrals. uh, All the referral sources in our area and there are over 3000 but the majority of them are not independent, so they can no longer refer to us um, in any way it's kind of crazy story, but uh, now that's pretty much everywhere in the in the US. 2011, we really transitioned to marketing direct to the consumer, just completely flipped our business model and started uh, investing and studying a lot of marketing direct to consumer marketing, um, which other, frankly, you know, if you're a podiatrist, if you're a chiropractor, if you're a dentist and you're watching this, you've had to do it that way forever. Right. And for us in PT, it was very, very new. 2016. We had the practice valued at uh, four million dollars, um, and I'll show you here in a second. You know, uh, at at that point, we wanted to march forward at twenty percent year over year growth. We've been able to achieve that in spite of the pandemic. And then um, last summer, July of last summer, we received an independent valuation of eleven point nine million dollars. And then in twenty twenty two, and this is public knowledge, um, I sold 70% of the practice for $11.5 million. Our practice was valued at 16.5. Again, you, after this, you can Google it and find the press release and everything. Um, so w- what I wanna do next is I, I wanna give you that tool that we talked about in the beginning. And <clears throat> what had happened is uh, in 20, early 2021, um, Carl, the co-founder here at, at Breakthrough, um, who has a ridiculous network. Um, you know, many of, you know, Carl had worked at, uh, Tesla motors in the early days and figured out how to sell a hundred thousand dollar vehicle with an email and, uh, a a website, which is kind of a crazy story. Um, but anyhow, Carl had a friend, uh, Jason Ye, And Jason has a podcast called funded. Um, but he's a founder 2008 MBA from Harvard, I believe. Um, I think 2008 is the right year, might be 2009. Um, But Jason was doing a course for Silicon Valley Investment Bank. And I think there were about 30 uh, investment bankers or founders in this course. A founder is somebody that's raising money uh, to start to uh, expand on their business idea. And uh, so he wanted to learn how to do a course. I've taught courses before uh, primarily to Healthcare clinicians. And, but I understand the, I understand how to assemble a course. So uh, Jason asked for help. We hopped on a call. He ended up doing this six week course. It went really well. He ended up uh, launching a business um, out of it where he helps founders raise money. And uh, we got to the end and he said, Hey, man, this was amazing. I got awesome feedback. You know, now I have this other business uh, that I'm going to start selling more courses. What do I owe you? And I said, Well, nothing like I, I just wanted to do it to help you because you're a friend of Carl's that's that was the extent of it but you don't know me anything and he was like are you sure there's not something I can do and I said well listen you've seen a thousand plus business proposals investment proposals come through in your lifetime like this is your world this is completely new to me I'm a you know physical therapist i have a uh, bricks and mortar private practice and uh you know i'm doing the work here with with carl but um i i, I haven't seen a lot of they're, they're called pitches investment pitches think of like a shark tank and i said you know you've seen a thousand plus of these just give me the best pitch deck you've ever seen and that's what he did so he gave me the best best pitch deck that he had ever seen again thanks shark tank And then what I did was I took that and uh, Greg, I see your questions here, we'll answer those for you. Um, And then I took that and then I put Madden and Gilbert PT um, into the pitch deck. So the result of that is what I'm about to show you right here. So at the time, we're still six locations, we're opening two more de novos, hopefully here uh, in the next six months. But I talked about in the beginning, and this is what you want to mimic right and the idea isn't that so i never showed this to anybody external but what this did is it aligned me and my seven other partners um it aligned our mindset before we went out and we started having these conversations so we talked about you know how we started and some of this i shared with you already um but basically i I was self-employed in the beginning and that was the extent of the, the dream. And uh, yeah, and then we talk about market evolution, where in the beginning we were very heavy on physician referrals and we got good at that game, at least for a single site practice. Um, and then the market changed and things crashed. So just think about this, humble beginnings on, on these next few slides, we're talking about market evolution. If you were a buyer, why would that be important to you? Why why would you want to know that? So if you were buying, if you were investing in our practice, why would you want to hear that? You can type your answer in the chat while you're doing that. Um, We talked about direct access and how that was new and uh, really that no PT practices knew how to do that. Everybody that was in uh, the physical therapy space, all the marketing gurus or anybody along those lines Uh, the coaching companies they were all teaching uh basically how to do physician marketing um the and yeah and then i talked about what happened specific in our area and uh the also the corporate competition that we have here and most people are aware of that um and the the challenge that it presented so let's read through those really quick david says you grew your business without having previous business savvy Great. Marcy says, you made mistakes and learned how to build a solid business foundation. I like that answer, Marcy. Ability to adapt to changing market conditions, resilient business, uh, makes your business more valuable. You made it through the highs and lows and created systems to come out on top. All great answers. And then, uh, so for this story, you know, with the challenges, uh, I talked about how we switched from marketing to physicians over to uh, direct to the consumer and more of the challenge, right? So number one reason for referral to PT is back pain, right? And if you read that study, it was published, uh, I believe off the top of my head, uh, quarter one of 2018, Journal of General Internal Medicine from 2003 to 2014, there was a uh, 53.6% decline in family physician referral to PT specifically for three different diagnoses around back pain. So this is a real problem, right? And I talked about it uh, within the deck here. So when we built our practice on physician referrals, we marketed primarily for back pain and we got really good at that. We had people fly from all over the country. At one point I had the number one video in the world on Google and YouTube for sciatica. Uh, It's called top three exercises for sciatica. I think I made it in 20, 2009 or 2010. Uh, but nonetheless, the um, th- we had to change, we had to transition, we had to adapt with the times, as we went to direct to consumer approach, we tested everything. And then we found what works the best rotator cuff. Why? Because it's a uh, blue ocean strategy, nobody else is competing there around shoulder or rotator cuff problems. There. are primarily, most of our competition is angling towards back and neck pain. Uh, Knee pain, we did very well with back pain and sciatica as well. Hip pain, they've been the consistent winners for us moving forward. So along with all all of your feedback in terms of why it was important to um, share the the challenge and how we overcame that, you know, that, again, why do we want to do that? Because we want to demonstrate that we can solve business problems by creating systems and being smart and scientific and predictable about it. So how we're different, number one, we do direct-to-consumer marketing, it's unique. Um, 92% of our business, uh, we did 8 million-ish, a little over $8 million in revenue last year um, in 2021. and. 92% Uh, 92% of that business came from direct to consumer marketing. Only 8% was physician marketing. Um, we have future clinical director training. So, all of our uh, director, anybody that's going to open a de novo clinic with us, they go through a 12 uh, step program, 12 month program. And Then we have rapid de novo success that I put some numbers together here. So, direct to consumer marketing, we think about marketing specifically to our past patient list and general public. And then we ha- I go through our systems that we have, right? And part of that those systems includes exactly what we're doing here at Breakthrough where we're doing direct-to-consumer advertising, we're feeding it into um, uh, software, directly into a software. And then over time, into the Breakthrough software, over time, we have uh, conversions that come out of that in terms of more new patients, right? And ultimately more visits. So for the general public, we promote workshop events um, and essentially for each clinic, it's uh, three each month. And we use a ton of online media and offline media as well. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google ads, print print ads, uh, direct mail, radio, and TV. And this is the breakdown. So this is how we think about it. This is our uh, most established clinic, Harrisburg. It's the one that's been around for 18, 19 years now. This was back in uh, 2019, the last non-pandemic full year um, that we had. Uh, anyhow, the, you know what you can see is if you look at the circle on, your, on the left, so the blue plus the green plus the gray is all past patient marketing. And that's 45 plus 18 plus four. That sounds like 67% to me. So roughly two thirds of the new patients that are coming through in that clinic in 2019 did $3 million in revenue. It's like 2.998, something like that. Um, 67% of that revenue or roughly $2 million came from uh, direct-to-consumer from our past patient list. 17 um, and 8, 25% came from direct-to-consumer marketing to cold traffic, and then 8% was physician referral. How did we divide up our money? That's the circle on the right. Half of our uh, marketing alignment goes to internal marketing, that's past patient list. Half of it goes to external marketing, that's physicians, although we spend next to nothing there. And then really uh, direct to consumer uh, in that cold traffic. Now, when we opened a De novo, a brand new clinic, so this was Dolphin, this was uh, our first full year in business up there. Uh, we opened that September 9th of 2018. So this is January of 2019 to December of 2019. Um, You can see that the new patient attribution is different, and it should be because Harrisburg has a past patient list of 15,000, and Dolphin had a past patient list of, to start the year, maybe 50 or 100 max, right? So we should be seeing more from our external marketing efforts, cold traffic and physician marketing. Um, That was 23%, 7% ads, and then 26% from workshops, so a little more than half there. Right, really quick math: fifty-six percent was external, forty-four percent was internal. And if you think about ad spend, right? Well, we can't really invest that much into a past into a small past patient list. So only ten percent of our marketing budget uh, went to uh, that small office and or went to that small patient list. And as an aside, uh, this office year number one, first full year, twenty nineteen. Uh, We started in 1,250 square feet. We expanded within the first four months to 2,600 square feet. There was another PT company in this uh, same space for eight and a half years before us. Their previous high, their highest ever was 73 visits in a week. Um, Dan hit over 100 within week number seven. And at the end of year, um, that first full year 2019, uh, he was up to 180 visits a week. They're now consistently over 200 completely maximized the space. And it's in a small rural town. So again, you know, if you were a buyer, if you were, if I was soliciting investment from you, would that be attractive? Likely yes. Right. Because that system, um, worked repeatedly and you know what, so when we open, uh, our de novos, our brand new clinics, the expectation is that we're gonna go from zero to profitable within 90 days. How do we do that? Well, the secret is it's not really 90 days. It What happens is we have the clinical director that's going to open that clinic, go through this training curriculum before we even open the door. So they know how to do a pro forma, which is a financial planning tool that we've done online training for before here at Breakthrough. And they have to generate the pro forma the space that they're going to go into so we have two coming up that we're working on right now uh, with connor and addy they just completed number seven on your screen there so we just went through conversion calls last week Um, we're going to do workshop presenting and you know we'll complete this Uh, but the first thing they had to do was put together a pro forma it's what dan did in dolphin it's what they're going to do for the two clinics that will open with connor and addy and it's what our other uh, our other de novo clinical directors have gone through. We teach them about location selection. Uh, we go through transition training. So how do they how do they bring on another clinician to replace them in their existing clinic before they leave and go full or fully devoted to, to that other clinic, so they don't have to keep running back and forth or split times between two offices. We teach them how to hire the basics on how to hire and build a team. Um, I mean, you can go through the rest of this on your screen, or do a screenshot, or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, basically, we're taking them through the three pillars: finance, personnel, team building, and marketing, and giving them the tools that they need, the knowledge that they need in order to um, quickly fill uh, a new location. So um, these are actual visits. Uh, Mechanicsburg is was our second de novo ever, or our first de novo ever, second clinic ever. Back in 2009, by the way, did not have the system in, completely messed up, same idea as before. Obstacle is the way I share our losses. Um, and then, then we got smarter, right? So Dan and Dolphin, um, you can see his ascension there. Uh, Chris and Cedarcliff, And by the way, that was a COVID clinic. They opened January 27th of, of 2020. Shrewsbury was March 9th of 2020 um so that was brutal uh literally i think we had a second full month in business everything closed down we were uh i think we saw one new patient that entire month back in 2020 and then uh hershey uh jan is crushing it there she's up to 100 and i think she just had 172 visits in a week progressing there Um, and that was april 1st of last year so our overall visit growth, um, it, simply annual numbers. Um, you can see, so when we just had the two clinics from 2013 to 2017, a little bit of growth, but not a lot. There's a fire alarm going off. Can you hear that? Okay, I can still hear it, but that's all right. Um, so the, with the annual growth, um, yeah, from 2013 to 2017, we didn't do a whole lot. Just had two spaces, roughly 12,000 square feet, and we were just focused on maximizing that. And then 2018, 19, and obviously pandemic was in there. Um, in 2020, this was our growth, and we we rapidly have been opening other other clinics. So we have a flywheel. We talked through this ascent. I'm gonna go through this fairly quickly. But when we go to a new area, um, and by the way, the, the reference for this is uh, Jim Collins, uh, good to great and oh, built to last. I, uh, he also has a separate flywheel pamphlet. It's like 40 pages or something like that. But um, with, with our flywheel, when we go into a new market, We're looking to um, start at 1030. So invest in marketing. So we're buying market share, right? We need people coming in and we can't rely on physicians. So we are doing direct to consumer marketing to cold traffic, at least in the beginning um, heavily. What does good marketing do? Well, it attracts new patients. When we have new patients coming through the door and scheduling, what does that do? Well, that results in visits or plan of care, whatever you want to call that. What do visits do? Well, if we're billing and coding properly and collecting, and just to give you a, uh, an idea, we, um, about 20% of our revenue is cash. So roughly 1.6 million a year is what we're collecting in in cash, uh, which I feel is pretty high. So I know some people get lost on the cash pay versus insurance, It now with 5,000, to $7,500 deductibles a year, it's it, it feels like it's very similar principles. So don't get hung up on that if you're cash pay only. Um, but what do visits do? They result in income, right? What does income do? Well, we take it, we pay our expenses, right? Personnel and space primarily. And then we invest in growth. So we buy more equipment, more space, more team. Right, And we, we also invest in marketing, buying more market share. What happens when we buy more market share? Well, we get more new patients coming through? What does that result in? A growth in visits, growth in income. Then we, you know, so it's a nice flywheel. And the idea with a flywheel is that once you have the system in place, you give it a little bit of effort to get the wheel turning and it gradually picks up more and more speed. It, it's uh, with the principles of inertia, it builds on itself. So where we're going um, back in uh, 2017, early 2018, Mike, my business partner and I um, set out, we made a a plan through 2030. And uh, it it was based on 20 mile March that Jim Collins principle, 20% growth year over year. Why 20%? Well, it's enough to push us, right? And uh, force us to grow and expand and leave a bigger impact in the area. Um, However, it's not so much that we're actually breaking our infrastructure um, which i've done before too and that's not a pleasant process so we're not trying to double every year and and just to give you an idea uh, back in 2006 to 2008 we grew 600 in 30 months and that was uh we broke infrastructure there i didn't have the personnel the marketing the billing systems in place and uh yeah it was it was pretty rough pretty rough go there um, with rapid growth. So now we know how to temper that a little bit better. So 2018, uh, Mike and I laid this out, January of 2018, uh, essentially a 13 year, 12, 13 year plan. And uh, so 2021, the visits, 71878, we actually hit just a little bit north. This was our prediction. We hit a little bit north of 72,000 visits in spite of the pandemic. Our run rate for this year 86,253, if my math is right, um, seven times 12 is 84,000, right? So 7,000 visits a month, Uh, we're trying to, we're aiming a little bit more than that, let's call it 72.50. Anyhow, we just hit uh, over 8,000 visits here um, a month or two ago already. So we already have the space, we already have the personnel, we already have the systems running. To hit the run rate that we need for 2022, and then 2023, you can see where we're going here. Um, we have a pretty good estimate of the number of FTEs that we need clinicians on board. Um, it comes out to, with our calculations, 2311 divided by 50 weeks is roughly 43 visits per clinician per week. So we're not a we're not a factory where each clinician is seeing you know 300 visits a week or something weird like that. Um, Income is a little bit lower than that for us uh, per visit, but um, yeah, we made up for it with more visits. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we hit almost exactly 1.8 million in EBITDA. So predictions that we made three years ago in spite of the pandemic almost hit exactly where we're at. And there is a, a you know, this isn't like the a, a secret where you just like write something down and it comes to fruition. The right way to think about anything along those lines is, okay, here's where we wanna be. And then you start asking yourself better business questions. So what do we need to do to grow from 72,000 visits a year to 86,000 uh, visits per year? I go through our leadership team and then we talk about our core values as well. So that's pretty much uh, the completion of the deck. Um, and you know when when you're thinking about this. So if if I'm in your shoes right now, what are a couple of things you should be paying attention to? So if you're thinking about practice value, right, and it's important to you that if somebody's writing you a check for fifty thousand dollars versus five million dollars or whatever that may, whatever it is, based on your practice size, um, you. I, what, what are the most important things to be aware of? Number one is be aware of your the systems that you have in place. Number two is your team, right? And when you combine those two things, um, that's what ultimately creates practice value. So if you're going to pick up skill set somewhere, focus on those two areas, building systems and then having the right people on board. What happens when you do that? Well, you, you grow, right? And there are favorite quotes from Jay Abraham, uh, his book, getting everything you can out of all you've got, I believe it's on page seven. Uh, you can double check me on that, but, uh, there are only three ways to grow your business. Number one, you can increase the number of clients, right? Pretty simple. We're in, we're chiropractors, dentists, podiatrists, PTs, we're visit. We're all visits type businesses, right? Healthcare services of visits. We're all visits. Um, so, if we don't have clients coming through, then we don't have visits, right? And that, that's a problem. So you can increase the number of clients. You can increase the average size of the sale per client. Right now, yes, you, you wanna do this in an ethical way. And Jay Abraham was not talking to healthcare providers, but there's a right and wrong way to do this. I'm assuming that if you're here, you're gonna do it the, the right and ethical way. And um, also, you can increase. The third thing you can do is increase the number of times clients return and buy again. And this, to me, is where uh, most of us and health as a healthcare service provider, we just miss out on because Margaret that came through last year for a total knee replacement, she's highly likely to be suffering with back pain or a hip issue or a foot issue um, that you could be helping her out with as well, right? And just investing. And this is kind of, ins- we've talked about this on the podcast and in other trainings, but it's insane what we'll do as healthcare providers and business owners. We'll pay money for somebody to come through. And then once they graduate the plan of care and their visits are done, we just kind of let them go. And I hope, you know, hope you never have to come back in again, which is a horrible thing to say, right? That's crazy. Highly likely that she's going to have another problem, a legit issue. And if you're not marketing to, to Margaret, I think is the name that I used, you know, what, what's going to happen? Well, she's going to go elsewhere, right? She's going to go to the the PT, the chiropractor down the street, um, the dentist down the street, the podiatrist down the street. Um, if you have, and I know there's this fairy tale thing that we can do no marketing and magically she just comes back because we deliver this super high quality of care, right? You didn't see that in my, in our deck, right? Our, and I would put our therapist up against anybody else. Our therapists train other therapists all over the country. Um, they're in the research and everything else. And, uh, you know, OCS, SCS, CODA, or uh, not CODA, um, COMTs, right? Um, like the amazing, amazing clinicians. But we we didn't even talk about that because we don't rely on it. We have marketing systems in place um, that that help facilitate and augment that. But three systems to focus on. Number one is marketing. We call these the three pillars of private practice. Number two is personnel. And then finally, uh, your, your finance revenue cycle billing. Right. And for us, and again, this is super important when we go into a new area, by the way, Dolphin, um, Shrewsbury Cedar cliff that I shared the numbers with you. They're all over 200 visits a week now, um, in their, in under two years. So in their, by the end of 24 months, they're all over 200 visits a week with five or more full-time clinicians filling space. Three of those offices were expanding, um, including Hershey. How do we do that? Well, we think about it in terms of uh, what's on your screen right now. And I'm gonna try to simplify this for you, but at Breakthrough, we've created this um, patient demand platform again if we're in a visit type business um, we need to have a system in place that creates patient demand within our community how do we do that well the first thing that we do is attract right so think about um, the number one thing that you treat In our case it's going to be rotator cuff and shoulder problems so within a 10 mile radius around your office or five mile radius or however long however far people are willing to drive how many people are live within that radius and then what percentage of people do you think have had that problem whatever your number one problem is that you want to attract within the last 30 days so here central pennsylvania a five mile radius let's say there's a hundred thousand people which is pretty close so a hundred thousand people this office up in dolphin it might be three thousand people um, what percentage of those have had rotator cuff and shoulder problems in the last 30 days? I'm gonna put that number at, let's say 5%. So f- that's 5,000 people have experienced rotator cuff and shoulder pain within the last 30 days. Are they all appropriate for physical therapy? Likely not, but the vast majority of them we could we could help. So what do we want to do? We wanna track them. We wanna have ads. Um, that are in the community that they were responding to they're raising their hand and they're saying, yes, I have a rotator cuff and shoulder problem. Once they respond to the ad, and this is like most of the market only faces, uh, only looks at the attraction, right? Do I have the right ad, right? So, but once you have the right ad, then you have to actually convert them over to a paying patient. It doesn't make sense to have ads that, you know, you're getting hundreds of responses to but nobody's becoming a a patient, right? That's not what we're looking for here. We have to be, we're scientists within the the clinic. We have to be scientists with our marketing as well. So what's the, the bridge there? It's conversion or convert, right? So they raise their hand. We have a series of automated tools within Breakthrough that help you have that human to human conversation based on where that ad responder is at, that ultimately helps them schedule an appointment and become a paying patient. And then underneath it all, because because there's a one-stop shop software, we have ROI intelligence and benchmarks where you get to compare yourself against other practices and how you're doing and training and coaching to help you convert better and expand your marketing presence. So that's measure. So attraction, conversion, measure, attract, convert, measure and how well does it work this just doesn't work for me it works for hundreds of other practice owners as well one of my favorite stories of all time is joe and kathy scarpedo they had a, a evaluation on their practice they were looking to ultimately sell their practice and retire which they've now done um, and within one year of working with us here at breakthrough and the systems that i've shared with you here they more than doubled uh the offer on their practice and uh yeah Great people to work with, really good students, and uh, they did awesome. So, are you interested in learning more about the same patient demand system that I shared with you here and the Scarpedo's used and hundreds of other practices have used? What you can do is click yes on the poll that's on the screen right now. And when you do, somebody from our team will reach out and they will show you exactly what the patient demand system looks like for you and your practice. So just click yes on the screen there, and then we'll open this up for Q&A.
1: Awesome, thank you, Chad. Um, We have several questions so far, and if um, you have additional questions, feel free to drop those in the Q&A panel, but we'll go ahead and get started with what's here. So Steven asked a question early on. Uh, thanks for your patience, Stephen. Uh, he said, Hey, Chad, you might cover this, but just thought I would ask, you said you sold 70% of your practice. Did you retain 30%? What does this look like?
0: Yes. Um, and just to give you an idea, Steve. Uh, yeah. So our group, myself, plus the seven partners and for what it's worth, I was 62 and a half percent beforehand. Um, we, yeah, so our holding company, OPTN, we formed a partnership, um, but we sold 70%. We we retained 30%, you're exactly right. Yeah.
1: Cool. And then we had a couple of questions from Greg. His first question is, where do we start looking for a potential buyer to get a feel for the market?
0: Hey, Greg, I'm going to assume you're in PT. If you're not, just type, type it in the chat box or the Q&A. Um, but if you're in PT, there's one place to start, and that's uh, you have to protect yourself legally from the get go. Um, I highly recommend Paul Welk. He's the, I actually, I, I don't even know who number two is, but um, Paul Welk is an attorney um he is also a physical therapist he does a ton of deals um on on both he understands the entire process really really well you want to talk have a conversation with him and then he can point you um, in the right direction from there great and
1: then his uh, next question is, and you may have just answered this. He said, "Should I have an independent company complete evaluation?"
0: Yeah, that Paul will walk you through that. Um, there are a couple of options there. You can um, always go with a, a broker to do that, or we chose uh, an oddly we we chose the, uh, an independent evaluator because we were actually looking to um, merge and acquire another practice here before we went through the process that I shared with you. So we did an, an independent valuation. Um, that is that was with uh, Randy Roush, R-O-E-S-C-H. Um, she was huge in uh, the peer to peer groups with uh, PPS for years. I believe she stepped down from that position within the last year or two. But uh, she was great to work with. And there are probably some other independent evaluators out there. But uh, start with Paul and he can point you in the right direction.
1: Um, And then we have a couple of anonymous questions. Um, The first is, we don't have a demand issue. We have a provider supply issue. It's gotten so hard to hire licensed clinicians um, since 2020. Any tips on navigating growth when the workforce supply is gating, is the gating issue?
0: So this might be controversial. I I think it's the same problem. And uh, so... A few weeks ago here and we were in denver with uh the the practice owners here within the breakthrough community and we were talking about this and ideally you know in order to attract patients what we do what the breakthrough model is is we provide value to those patients either uh, through the form of workshops or education whatever it may be it's the same exact thing when you're hiring clinicians so what is everybody else doing right now well they're i mean just go to any association website and look at the job boards. There are tens of thousands of other companies, and this is a universal problem, right? So a w- couple of ways to solve this problem, and I know it's not the main focus here uh, of our time together, but in, in solving the personnel problem, you wanna think through what are clinicians who are looking for work right now because there's so few and far between, what are they really looking for? I can tell you what most owners do is they guess, right? They think it's a sign-on bonus or student loan forgiveness or something like that. That's not like the thing that everybody else is advertising on the association sites, isn't even in the, the, the top three for what people are actually saying. So we found that just from talking with uh, students um, that it's a mentorship program. They they. They wanna be able to ascend, like have a very specific yet autonomous path of development and they wanna feel like they're being supported. So that would be pretty key to have in, don't just type in mentorship program, but explain what that looks like um, within your clinic. I'll give you one really quick example. I was talking with an owner from California. It's like one of 50 clinicians in the entire world that has some unique certification. And I said, well, you know, are you involved with students? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And he had the same problem. And I said, well, so read, read your ad to me. And, uh, and he did. And I said, well, you not once did you mention, like that you're training, like that you're offering ongoing training of this specialty treatment thing that is, is highly successful in the research, everything else. And you're, you're like, uh, it wasn't a diplomat. I know that's McKenzie, but it was some, it was a similar nomenclature. And I said, like, isn't it weird that you you're not using that in your ad and your ad just reads the same as the hospital system down the street. That's hiring PTs as well. Like you have to be unique. So I, I would start there be super unique and then focus on media types that therapists are actually using to look for work because I don't think it's the association, uh, websites. I I just I I that's never coming up when I'm talking with clinicians who are
1: looking for work. Thanks, John. Um do you use PTAs as clinicians or just PTs? This is the question from Mike.
0: Yeah, when we Mike, when we show the FTE calculation there, that's uh that's licensed clinicians. So for us in Pennsylvania that's PTs and PTAs. Yep.
1: And then from Michael, not sure if this was covered. What is a reasonable valuation when looking to sell um, one 1.5X book, 2X book value?
0: I don't know what that means. What's book value mean to you, Michael? Gross Michael revenue? Gross. There, there is nobody doing deals right now in the U.S. on gross revenue. It's uh, the formula is commonly, most commonly accepted is EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. Yep, I don't don't know anybody doing modified annual gross revenue. Um, So it's EBITDA, essentially your profitability, times a multiple. That's, that's it.
1: Thanks, Chad. Yeah. Um, Danielle asked. Oh, wait, let's see. Michael just said, okay. And that multiple is.
0: Depends on the size of the practice off the top of my head uh, within the last. We'll call it two years. Um, $300,000 or less is a three. Five hundred thousand, and this is earnings. Um, five hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand, maybe a five to six. Um, a million plus, you can get a an an eight, and uh, yeah, usually like a three to five million in earnings is a ten or higher.
1: Awesome, thanks, Chad. And thanks, Michael, for your questions. Um, Danielle asks, to grow faster, do you think it is better to acquire or to individually grow uh, one by one clinic?
0: That is a great question. Who, who who asked that?
1: That was Danielle. So
0: Danielle, this is how we think about it. Um, yeah, it, we're literally going through this right now. So we can open a new office for one hundred and fifty dollars to $200,000, depending on the size. Um, within three months, uh, breaks even, so revenue is greater than expenses and our expectation is, uh, you know, in the, within 18 months that we've generated at least $200,000 in profitability, meaning we got our money back. Um, and then, you know, we can use that money and go out and do it again. So when we're talking with, um, other companies that are, we could, possibly acquire? The way that we're thinking through that is what is the cost of this? So, you know, if we can hit 200 visits a week within 18 months and somebody's at 200 visits a week, but they want 1.5 million for their practice, why why would we ever do that? Right? Or if they want 250,000 for their practice, then that might be uh, a, a little more reasonable for us. So what's the there's a Ben Franklin saying uh, never pay too much for your whistle or something like that. Uh, Poor Richard's Almanac. Check that one out. Sorry for the 1700s reference. But um, the, you know, the idea is like, does it make sense with knowing what it costs to open a de novo and our expected return on that that is highly predictable when we're talking to someone else? So yeah, we'll have those conversations with other companies. But um, it has to be in line with what we know to be um, de novo stands for uh, means of new means a brand new office. So if we have six offices and we open up a seventh office, that seventh office would be a de novo clinic.
1: And then um, another a clarifying question from Danielle, going into a new market, do you think the same way?
0: Yeah, so, um, I mean, I what's the right way to say that, like, I, I have a lot of friends that own practices, so we're not, I'm not targeting anybody and saying, Hey, by the way, I'm going to open up in your neighborhood. If you don't, you know, hop on board here, that's uh, just, I'm reading into your question maybe too much, but, um, how we think about it is like, where, where is there, there a gap? So we look at our six locations. We look for location selection. Um, we look for where affluent people live and where they shop it's, and work. It's pretty simple. Um, the way that we go through that location selection, when we go into a new market, we also look at uh, the media types that are available. So how easily can we access um, the, the the marketplace and you know our if our target market um, is reading a weekly coupon clipper and is on Facebook and Instagram, um, we want to know that going in and if we can reach them easily through uh, certain media types. So yeah, we go in that way. Um, I'm not sure I'm answering a question on acquisition
1: versus de novo,
0: but you get the idea there.
1: Chad, do you have a few minutes to go over? Cause we have a few questions left. Shoot. All right. Uh, from anonymous, could you please expand on the importance of measure? So, if you go back to the flywheel, yeah. um, she didn't quite follow the measure section.
0: Yeah. So the um, what ha- m- most of us, and uh, uh, especially if I think about early on, private practice career, we we play marketing roulette, and what that means is that uh, we <clears throat> we're doing no marketing. We know we need more new patients especially um, especially if the census is down if the visits are down and there's gaps in the schedule okay now it's time to market we talk to some sort of rep let's say they're with they're selling tv radio billboard print ads uh, online ads whatever it may be right and we we buy that and they say okay this is great uh, you've given us money um so the the ad is due uh july 1 and we're busy working in the clinic we don't really think about the ad now now that ad deadline's coming up next week right so we panic and we say hey i don't have anything can you put something together and they do it it's usually going to be a brand usually like 100 of the time it's going to be a branding type ad and it's going to say something about how great you are as a provider that you provide high quality of care that you're the premier rehab provider it's going to it's going to focus on you and then they're going to run that ad on radio tv print ad online, whatever it may be. And in the end, three months from now, they're gonna come back and they're gonna say, hey, your ads are now done. Everything you paid us for is through, how'd it go? And you're gonna say, I have no idea, right? <laughs> We've been busy. And I, and what we wanna do with the measure component is we wanna be able to see what's working and what's not. And most advertising, this might be getting, getting too far. Most advertising is branding, right? And branding, if you read through any ad that you've run in the last few years, just go look at it. If it talks about you and how great you are, that's a branding ad, right? What is better and more effective, especially for us as smaller businesses that are competing with these large giants, we have to play a different game. They're branding. We should not be branding. We should be playing uh, the game by our own rules, and what works way better is direct response. And direct response is offering education in exchange for the person to respond. There's a specific call to action where that person's calling our office, or they're entering their information, and in on a landing page, or something like that. So, in all of this, the big deal, the big idea is we want to do more of what works and less of what doesn't, right? So, um, in our in the advertising that we run with Breakthrough, we can track what is working and what is not. And you can see it. Literally, you can, um, you know, I log into our dashboard and I see people coming in from different ad um, ad initiatives that we have, different advertising initiatives. And then I can see when they go through ad responder and ultimately become a patient, graduate their plan of care, they're reactivated, they send another word of mouth referrals, et cetera. That's the importance of the measure so we can do more of what works and less of what doesn't.
1: Great. Um, Let's see. I have two more questions for you Um, from Greg. If grads are not seeking jobs via association job posting, then are you looking Mm -hmm. at Indeed? So kind of going back to staffing here for a minute.
0: Indeed, LinkedIn are the two that come up most often. the best way to figure it out, Greg, is to talk with, um, talk with the type of candidate that you would want to hire, ask them where they're looking, right? I remember, uh, you know, years ago, it was Advanced Magazine and uh, there were a few other, and basically media changes. We, we have to be willing to change too. The best way isn't from what I'm telling you, the best way is to ask, ask you know the the candidate type that you're looking to hire. Find out when media types they're, they're consuming and go there.
1: All right. This will be the last question from Mike. Do you accept global fee insurance, ATA?
0: No idea what that means.
1: Mike, if you want to clarify, feel free. I'm guessing it's a no. If you don't know what it is.
0: I mean, we, in our area, we participate with every major insurance provider, um, that we can, including Medicare. Um, we're not allowed to participate with, uh, Medicaid or medical assistance. Um, yeah, because we're not hospital based. You have to be hospital based in central PA. Um, and we see a ton of out of network and cash pay as well. Now, Mike, we, we don't participate in any arrangements like that.
1: All right, thanks for your question, Mike. And thank you everyone for um, all of your questions and being so engaged in this session. Um, we look forward to hearing from you. Um, for everyone that clicked yes on the poll, we will be in touch with you shortly. And thanks so much, Chad.
0: Thanks, Andrea. Thanks, everybody. See you. Remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.